This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News. Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. Well, the numbers are now out from the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency when it comes to Memorial Day activities. There were four fatalities that were caused by traffic accidents. Three were in cars and one on a motorcycle. There were also three drownings during the holiday weekend. Of the three drownings that occurred, none of those involved an actual boating accident. There were a total of 16 distressed swimmers who were rescued during the Memorial Day activities. This past weekend in May was the start of Aaliyah's 110 Days of Safety campaign, which comes at a time when students and families are entering the summer months. The state of Alabama is now on a list alongside Great Britain and Denmark when it comes to strange pediatric hepatitis cases. The World Health Organization says there are now a total of 650 of these cases in 33 countries. Over half of the cases are in Europe, with 200 or more in the U.S. The Alabama Department of Public Health says that nine cases of the hepatitis have been found in the state with children between the ages of one and six years old. Two of those children have required a liver transplant following those adenovirus infections. Here is part two of a conversation that I had recently with attorney Matt Clark of the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. Clark weighed in on the recent challenge to state law. That law was passed in this year's legislative session. The Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act bans a doctor here in the state from prescribing hormone therapy or surgery to a person under the age of 18 who is seeking to change their gender. When we're talking a hormone therapy and potential surgery that is life altering, Mm -hmm. it it changes your, your body permanently. Even if you go back, there's changes that cannot still be undone. How can this not be perceived as this equivalent of child abuse? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Andrea. I think you're. I think you're right. And as a matter of common sense, I agree with you 100. percent I think the the problem here is that society has gotten so politically correct that they can take a look at a case like this, which is patent child abuse, and just say, "Oh, well, we don't want to be offensive," and uh, that, that's why they're willing to let it go. But we're, we're you know, uh, I'm I'm really hoping the state pushes the issue hard and says, "No, this is child abuse. This is why the state has to step in and protect these kids." You know, you think about it, like, all right, if l- let's say that a parent uh, fed their kid only, you know, sparingly, let's say, you know, maybe you get one meal a day, uh, and you know, the child's suffering for that. In a case like that, that would be child abuse, and the state would rightfully be able to step in. Um, take your kid away from you and make sure that they're properly fed. Well, in this case, this is harder to come back from than, you know, uh, malnourishment. Yeah. Because, you know, you you can come back from the latter as as bad as uh, it is. But in this case, you're right. Once you engage in in some of these hormone therapy things, the the, the damage is going to be much more long lasting than something like that. So the courts should step in and say, look, the state has the right when you are abusing your child to say you can't do that. District Judge Lyle Burke took the plaintiff's case that challenges this law. Clark says it comes with a rebuke to the lawyers due to their habit of judge shopping. The the groups that are are bringing these challenges, uh, they've tried 
um, bring multiple lawsuits all over the state to the point where I'm having a hard time keeping up with, you know, who the, who the parties are. And, uh, the, the, the federal judges have been very unhappy about it because, uh, they, they are looking at this and thinking you're trying to game the system. You keep bringing lawsuits, dismissing them and rebringing them again, hoping to get uh, a favorable judge. So the judges have summoned those attorneys to appear before them. I think the hearing was May twentieth. I'm not sure how that went, but you know, it's it's what the judges were taking the trial, the, the lawyers out to the woodshed and saying, "All right, you got to talk to us about why you kept refiling and dismissing, you know, these cases because it looks like you're abusing the system to us." So what I'm hearing you say, Matt, is there is such a thing as as judge shopping. Yes, and these judges are able to call it out. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, it has to be pretty bad. Um, I will say, I think probably j- just about every lawyer, when they have the option, they try to take into account which court they want to file it in because they know the judges. You know, in theory, all judges ought to just be impartial arbiters of the law, applying it to the facts, and that's how it goes. But in reality, I mean, you know, there there are judges that are going to be unsympathetic. There are judges who who will. So, so just about every lawyer tries. Um, some level of judge shopping. Um, so I think if they would have just brought the case once, dismissed it, and then refiled it in another court, they probably would have been fine because that's pretty standard. But here, where they they did it, I think about four times, that's where the judges said, okay, you are abusing the system, so come here and explain yourselves to us because we're, we're tired of this. In Dothan, a man is under arrest and facing charges for leaving two children home alone, where they then got into over-the-counter drugs. Dothan police say they responded to a call about the kids and found them in a home alone with narcotics within their reach. 65-year-old Terry Lee Sims is facing child endangerment charges and has his bond set at $5,000. Both children were evaluated at a Dothan hospital and have since been released. Alabama will be sending 215 athletes, coaches, or partners to take part in the 2022 Special Olympics USA Games. That event will be held in Orlando, Florida. The Special Olympics will host over 5,500 athletes from 63 delegations coming from the U.S. and the Caribbean. The competitions will start this Sunday and run for a full week. The sporting event is held for children and adults who have learning and physical disabilities. It was first started in 1968 and is held every four years, just like the U.S. Olympics are. Alabama will have competitors taking part in the 15 out of 19 competitions that are going to be held. ESPN will be broadcasting the opening ceremony, and the Special Olympics also have their very own app for tracking certain events as well as competitors. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, the U.S. Department of Justice has sent lawyers to a federal court of appeals to seek to overturn a Florida judge's ruling against masks on airplane flights and other mass transportation. The DOJ is asking for the mask mandate on mass transit to be reinstated. The federal lawyers argue that the Center for Disease Control was within its legal authority to issue the mask mandate, while the Florida judge ruled that the CDC failed to justify the mask mandate. It's interesting timing now that the Biden administration has made it known that they want to put people back in masks. The New York Times has issued a report this week that compares data from across U.S. cities where masks were worn or not. Author David Leonard says the data shows that masks did nothing to stop the spread of COVID-19 compared to cities that didn't issue mask mandates. He also pointed out that in Hong Kong, there was almost universal mask wearing 
and simultaneously one of the world's worst COVID-19 outbreaks. Another study was done in Kansas that showed a higher rate of death among those counties that issued a mask mandate to the citizens. German Dr. Zacharias Fogan conducted the Kansas study on masks. He chose that state in particular because the governor did not issue a blanket statewide mask mandate, but allowed each of its 105 counties to decide on their own. 81 of those counties did not go with a mask mandate. The doctor's analysis was published in Journal Medicine. The U.S. Supreme Court has called for a pause in ballot counting in the state of Pennsylvania. The orders against a lower court decision to allow mail-in ballots to be counted that arrived on the primary election day without a handwritten date. The counting of mail-in ballots is going to be a game-changer in the very tight Republican primary Senate race between Dr. Mehmet Oz and David McCormick. In that race, Dr. Oz has less than 1,000 vote lead over McCormick. There are currently 860 mail-in ballots with missing handwritten dates that could be counted depending on how this case ultimately goes. McCormick's campaign filed a lawsuit shortly after the primary election to have those mail-in ballots counted. The halt from the high court comes from Justice Samuel Alito as a temporary emergency order in conjunction with his oversight of court cases in that region. And speaking of the U.S. Supreme Court, another temporary block to a Texas law has been issued That state law would punish social media companies for censoring Texas citizens. Two justices, Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh, joined John Roberts, Sonia Sotomayor, and Stephen Breyer in sending that case back to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in order for them to issue a full opinion and ruling. The dissenting side of the Supreme Court included a written opinion from Justice Samuel Alito. He wrote that blocking the law was premature and intrusive on state sovereignty. The Associated Press, along with the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, are now talking about election voting machines and their potential exploitation. AP is featuring a report that was released by CISA about software vulnerabilities found within a machine whose vendor has a presence in at least 16 states. CISA sent out the advisory to state election officials about the Dominion voting systems and their susceptibility to hacking. CISA made this advisory after a lawsuit required testing to be done by a computer scientist and expert witness on election exploitation. J. Alex Halderman is connected with the University of Michigan. Halderman maintains that hand-marked paper ballots are the most secure method of voting and also allows for post-election audits. He says there are nine vulnerabilities within the Dominion voting systems that may not be easily exploited by someone off the streets, but certainly could be done by sophisticated hackers and nation states. Election integrity and stolen elections is becoming a hot topic as we head into the summer months. Just a few weeks ago, the documentary called 2000 Mules was released. Now, journalist Laura Logan is releasing her own documentary about Mesa County election clerk Tina Peters in Colorado, who discovered some things on her own about Dominion Voting Machine. Here's part of that documentary trailer. If I asked you this question before the 2020 election, Are these voting machines secure? I would have said yes. And after the election? I would have said yes. What changed? Tina Peters admits she brought in a consultant to make a forensic copy of the Dominion voting system in Mesa County. The film comes out this coming July. And just this week in the state of Arizona, True the Vote presented evidence of ballot trafficking during the 2020 presidential election in certain counties in that state. True the Vote spoke to a group of state lawmakers 
And when they were done presenting that evidence, one of the state legislators said this. Uh, as members, after seeing this, I think we need to move forward with uh, 2289. The lawmaker was referring to a bill that was presented by State House Representative Mark Fincham shortly after the 2020 presidential election. So I introduced House Concurrent Resolution 2033, and it was immediately thrown in the freezer by the, sec- or by the uh, Speaker of the House. In fact, within 20 minutes of that bill, bill being introduced, he said it'll get the consideration it's due because it's unconstitutional. I have challenged everyone on the House floor, the Speaker, Everyone in leadership, show me in the Constitution where it says the legislature does not have the authority to set aside an irredeemably compromised election. That's what HCR 2033 does. It sets aside Maricopa, Pima County, and Yuma County, three counties where we have incontrovertible proof that the election was compromised, where the the margin of error far exceeded the margin of victory. That means that we should not be permitting our our electoral college votes to go to anyone. This doesn't mean that you give them to Donald Trump. This means that no one gets to use them. And a federal judge is about to make John Hinckley a free man. Hinckley shot President Ronald Reagan and his press secretary James Brady back in 1981. President Reagan did recover from those injuries, but Brady was paralyzed for the rest of his life. Hinckley has been in a mental institution since that event. U.S. District Judge Paul Friedman released Hinckley last year with certain restrictions on how and where he could live in the state of Virginia. Now the judge has determined this week that Hinckley is no longer a danger to himself or others and that all restrictions will be lifted from Hinckley this coming June 15th. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. Be sure and check out Right Side Radio and host Phil Williams as he talks to Sean Patrick Taylor from 1819 News and his recent article about the Birmingham VA continuing to push for medical personnel to get the COVID-19 vaccine while ignoring religious exemptions and medical exemptions. Great job writing it. How long did it take you to develop this story? Because there's a lot of facts, figures, and sort of in-depth writing here. Well, it, it really came down to being able to talk to all the different healthcare workers. And, and I really have to thank all of them for their generosity and sharing their story. And um, about a week or so of, of interviews, and then we had to kind of check out the documentation and fact check and, and just make sure that uh, we were good to go. And um, so we, we ran it yesterday, and uh, the feedback's been great so far. Again, our Focused 1819. We're not trying to scandalize. We're not trying to play gotcha, certainly with the VA leadership. We're just trying to inform the citizens um, of Alabama about what's really going on. And half my work so far since I've joined has sort of been COVID related. So this was consistent. And we're really just looking for, a, uh, you know, an objective understanding of the reasoning behind some of these decisions, you know, the, the metrics and um, how were the harms balanced from the benefits. And I, I suppose I'm talking in past tense, but it's, as we've been discussing, it's still very much present tense and uh, yeah. we're still dealing with it. You can find more of that podcast at rightsideradio.org. If you've been enjoying the daily detail, I truly appreciate your support. This podcast has been growing in the number of listenerships and the amount of subscriptions on Spotify and Apple podcasts, to which I am very grateful. I'm Andrea Tice. I will be back again tomorrow. 
I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 